The following podcast contains mature language and adult discussion. This week on Kayfabe, stories you're not supposed to hear. How many shows of ours have you slept through on the set? Can you name them? Can you name them by name? Everyone, almost every one of them. I would say every one of them. Pretty much every one of them. Another week already. Another week. Unless you're binging this. Just going right down the... Just found me going right down the list. Clicking all the podcast episodes. You won't be disappointed. But uh, if you are going chronological, it is another week. Another week where we saw a... We saw season three of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel premiere on Amazon. That's the height of uh, the excitement this week. Got a dog, too, but we'll save that for another episode. The reason the Maisel thing was significant was I I actually worked on season three. I did voice work in episodes uh, seven and eight. I'm trying to think of what specifically you could hear. I think in episode seven it was I'm a the voice of a cab driver as they jump out of the cab saying, Hey, it's two fifty or whatever, two two twenty five. And then episode eight, the final episode of the season, I was uh, I threw tomatoes at Abe, Tony Shaloub. My voice did. I wasn't on set to throw them, but in post I added voice to the thrower of the tomatoes so uh, there's a couple of places you can look at and and various other things a lot of crowd stuff but you know the there was a moment in the season where they kind of shoved our nose and shit a little bit it's a great series a lot of fun very reminiscent of like woody allen type sensibilities new york uh manhattan the manhattan elite fun with the manhattan elite but there was a, a moment where they had to go trendy. They had to go for the, not even the covert female empowerment message, which is, you know, listen, I have two, I have two daughters. So, you know, I get that. I think there should be superheroes for my girls to, uh, my one's too old now, but had they been around when the other one was smaller, uh, they should be able to root for some female superheroes. They choose not to watch that shit, but listen, if she was so inclined, my little one should have some female superheroes. I'm I'm all about that. But empowerment at the expense of another, like the abusive programming, like they patently said at one point, uh, one of the characters, was, I, this happened to me because I allowed my decisions to be made by a man. Uh, you know what? Listen, I, the time period we're talking about, it wasn't the ideal time to be a woman. I'm not sure that we're where we want to be now. You know, there is the, there is the issue of equal pay for equal work and whatnot. The, God, I guess it's the only, to be a white male now, it's the only, the only designation where you can invite uh, vitriol and insult, just, uh, just abuse like that. So the undertones of what we're happening, I, I'm, I'm keyed in enough to art to be able to understand the undertones of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel and uh, the main character, Midge, her marriage breaking up and her having to um, set out and find a career not easy to do as a woman I understand that and then the the typing the secretarial pools that women breaking out on their own at that time had to like I get that you'll just have to show me that that's all you have to do then they just shove my nose and shit at one point where it was like the real penis stomping uh discussion and I, I don't know. I, I've done nothing to anybody. I don't know why I have to fucking listen to that. I, I, I wouldn't do it to another class or race or, or gender. 
just single out. I, I didn't. I don't think you were. I didn't think you were allowed to do that. Not say some men. Just say men. Though you weren't allowed to do that anymore. Guess you can. Guess you can. It's interesting. It's interesting. I think we've come far. I think we have to celebrate how far we've come. We've we've righted the wrongs. A lot of them. The country is is young and imperfect. And uh, along the way, you fix shit. You know, it's like buying a house. Along the way, you got to fix some shit. If you realize it's wrong. Doesn't matter if it's in the Constitution or they forgot to put it in the Constitution. You make an amendment and you fix shit that's wrong. If it's there already and it's no longer relevant, you fucking remove it. You change it. So I want I'd rather celebrate how far we've come. And you need look no further than the 1955. It's a good housekeeping, I think. Oh, actually, housekeeping monthly magazine from may of 1955 the good wife's guide it's going to sound weird to us today right it's going to be totally cringy to hear that this was written but it was and i guess it wasn't outlandish and i wasn't here in 1955 i can't tell you but i guess it wasn't outlandish to hear these things here's the good housewife's guide number one Have dinner ready. Plan ahead, even the night before, to have a delicious meal ready, on time for his return. This is a way of letting him know that you've been thinking about him and are concerned about his needs. That's number one. Number three, prepare yourself. Take 15 minutes so you'll be refreshed when he arrives. Touch up your makeup, put a ribbon in your hair, and be fresh looking. He has just been at work with a lot of work-weary people. Uh, Four. Be a little gay and a little more interesting for him. His boring day may need a lift, and one of your duties is to provide it. Five, clear away clutter. One last trip through the main part of the house just before your husband arrives. Gather up school books, toys, paper, etc. Then run a dust cloth over the table. Six, over the cooler months of the year, you should prepare a light fire for him to unwind by. Your husband will feel he has reached a haven of rest and order. And it will give you a lift, too. After all, catering for his comfort will provide you with immense personal satisfaction. Seven, prepare the children. Take a few minutes to wash the children's hands and faces if they are small. Comb their hair. And, if necessary, change their clothes. Children are little treasures, and he would like to see them playing the part. Minimize all noise at the time of his arrival. Eliminate all noise of the washer, dryer, vacuum. Try to encourage the children to be quiet. I don't don't think that's outdated. I don't know when anyone comes home. I think we need a little we need a little quiet. Be happy to see him. Free him with a warm smile and show sincerity in your desire to please him. Listen to him. Ten, you may have a dozen important things to tell him, but the moment of his arrival is not the time. Let him talk first. Remember, his topics of conversation are more important than yours. Listen, there's a lot more, but you see where I'm going with this. I guess it's as wrong as the in-your-face, I will never let a man do, that I have to listen to in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. The point was made. We see the dependence on 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 the male at that time. We see how suffocating it could have been to women. I get it. I could just watch the narrative and see that. You don't have to shove my nose and shit. Come on. You could be more artful than that. You can be more artful. It's not a propagandist newspaper. It's not a march. It's a fucking show. A fun show. A funny show. A good show. Well acted, well written. But, you know, when you go low like that, it's, you know, you're better than that, guys. You're better than that. Again, not right, not wrong. We're not talking about the message. We're talking about the medium. How are you delivering it to me? Slamming me over the head with it. You know, and, and it's no different than, than the pod the podverse, the podcast universe. You scroll, you can type anything. Type anything in your search bar and search and, and just let it come up. Scroll through it. P 
People are here with an agenda, y'all. I mean, we have fun. We talk. We fuck around. I put on a fun guest. And we're out. Bang. 60 minutes. I'm out. But some folks have a real agenda. I'm not going to do that to you. just need you to listen to me. Just listen to me. A little bit. Number 10. Let's apply number 10 of the 1955 Good Housewife's Guide to your podcast rules. Okay? Let's see how many of these I can apply to my audience. You, the listeners. My patrons. By the way, patrons, go to patreon.com slash podcast. Become a patron of this show. Have dinner ready. I don't require you to have dinner ready to listen to this. Prepare yourself. Take 15 minutes to rest so you'll be refreshed. That, you know, that should be a rule. I don't, I don't need, I, I don't bring your burdens to this show. Don't be all pissed off when you, when you put, when you put it on, on the ride home. You'll end up taking it on, it out on me. Rule four, be a little gay, a little more interesting for me. You don't have to do a thing. I'll be interesting and gay. It's 50s lingo, folks. Clear away the clutter. That I require. Click, Empty out those other podcasts. And, and in mind, if you've listened to it, get it out of there. They, it takes up a lot of space on the iPhone. Did you know that? Did you know that? Prepare the children. Actually walk the children right out of the room when you put my thing on. You put my gimmick on. This, you know, the Kids don't need to be a part of this. There are fuck words and bad language here, for God's sakes. Be happy to see him. That was rule nine. Free me with a warm smile and show sincerity in your desire to please me. Listen to him, it says. Listen to him. Listen to me. And then ten. Oh, ten works. Ten works. You may have a dozen important things to tell me, but the moment of my arrival on your headphones is not the time. Let him talk first. Remember, his topics of conversation are more important than yours. The KC Vault. Want to see all of Kayfabe Commentary's content? It's all going to be up there. There's in the hundreds of hours of programming already on the KC Vault. $14.95 a month. One price to watch all of our content. These shows were 20 bucks a piece just a few years ago on DVD. A la carte. Now, you've got like, I think there's like 90 full-length programs of Kayfabe commentaries on there for one low price a month. Watch them as many times as you want. And you should. People tell me they watch some of our timelines three and four times. Watch their favorite years again and again. KC Vault. Go to kcvault.pivotshare.com kcvault.pivotshare.com Sign up. Join the revolution. We changed it all. Kayfabe Commandos stormed the Bastille and uh, and changed things. kcvault.pivotshare.com All right, you know, with my guest today, I I should uh, follow his lead and tell him absolutely as little as possible about the interview he's about to walk into, because that was his recipe for success with all of his talent that he delivered to kayfabe commentaries through the years. Super Agent Eric Sims, how are you, my friend? I haven't seen you in a long time. Good, good, my friend. Just uh, busy uh, living the dream, trying to stay out of the nightmare. Um. People probably have no idea what you do. I mean, you hear the term agent, right? So you might think like a traditional sports agent or an entertainment agent who runs everything from some office somewhere and doesn't have to leave the... I, I, my managers and agents in, in, in acting, I I rarely had to see them. You know, it was all done over the phone. I was sent to jobs. But you have such a hands-on job so take us through a typical weekend with a talent like let's say you're bringing in billy jack haynes for a weekend of action how does it work take me through the whole thing 
Well, uh, it starts a couple months uh, a couple months back when I when I book when I booked the talent. I call, you know, I, sponsor calls me. Hey, I want Billy Jack. Uh, bring him to the convention. Can we do this one? You know, this signing or this interview or this or that. So I call Billy or I text him and I and I say, you know, hey, I got this week. You know, I got this weekend. Are you available for this weekend? We got this, this, and this to do uh this is what i'm going to pay you uh they'll either agree they won't agree that's usually so, where the phone hangs up right there right click click <laughs> no they're pretty good because i got I, you know it's you know i've been doing this 35 just starting january is gonna be 35 years for me so i have i've built in relationships with a lot a lot of the guys so it's you know when they know I when I when they know I'm calling, it's business, and it's going to probably most likely be a good weekend because I I very rarely do these one-off bookings where you know I bring a guy in for multiple multiple appearances, and the guys seem to like that. So you know I I call you know again I call them I say hey I got A B and C for you I could say I could you know I I, I could pay you this they'll either agree with it they'll say. Mm, can we do this or whatever? And we'll, we'll meet in the middle somewhere where it's good for them. It's good for me. Th- then I forget about, then I forget about everything, forget about them for a while. Then as it gets closer, like a month, two months out, I get the airline ticket a month out, I get the hotel, you know? So by the time they come in, every, everything's set or, you know, all they got to do is get on the, get on the plane. So once they once they get into town, I get them, or they can get themselves to the hotel, get checked in. Uh, then I pick them up, take them to appearance A, do our business. We'll go back, go out to get a bite to eat, go back to the hotel, rest up, get ready for, you know, appearance, uh, you know, B, C, D, or you know, how, however many I get. Now you are shuttling. Time. Now you're literally shuttling them from. Let's say uh, the kayfabe commentary set to do an interview to then asking me if I'm buying everyone dinner, of course, uh, to to Ruby Tuesdays for with me, uh, then to uh, a wrestling show in Queens, and then like back to the hotel, so, maybe so, sneaking so, them so into have... sneaking them into an RF so... shoot that you didn't tell me about, and then uh, breakfast the next day on Rob, and so you're literally driving these guys. I hope everyone understands this. He's driving I, these I, guys. I, I could do I could do a 500 mile. I've you know doing 500 mile weekends is is kind of the norm for me. What about when you, you know, have first... three different guys in? How do you how do you do well, it? I gotta get well if they don't fit in my car, I have to get a rent a vehicle. You know, get a car, your SUV, or you know something bigger. And but if, if they I have mean, different if they I, have I, different appointments though, what if they have different appointments? Uh, well, most likely they they're all on the same appointments, which is the same stuff. Or now, if I don't, I have help. I have I, you know I've taken your advice throughout the years and have people, you know, work for me. So I have I have a crew of people that work for me that that could shuttle people around and do stuff for me cuz you know, as I'm getting older and you know, have other responsibilities, it's, you know, I need I need assistance or help. So I have I have people that help me, you know, do that for me now in case I can't do it. And, and it's it's kind of sometimes I get, you know, I you know, I'm in point A, and I got another another crew in point B doing another booking, and it's you know, it, it's happened. Not a lot, but it's happened. Um, how many shows of ours have you slept through on the set? Can you name them? <laughs> Can you name them by name? Every one, almost every one of them. I'll I would say every one, every one of them. I know you were, only, you were only called out a handful of times. That's when the snoring was so audible. Well, 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 well to, listen to, you know, okay. So when we, when, when we're shooting these videos, it could be at 11 o'clock at night. So, you know, but you know, after I'm up at five, five o'clock in the morning, running my ass off all day long, making, making these, uh, going to the wrestling universe, going to this wrestling show, doing that. And by the time I get back to the hotel at 10 o'clock at night, you know, ready to do you, uh, you know, the kayfabe shoots. Yeah. It's, you know, it, you know, I, I'm drop dead tired. And, there's and I nothing, can barely keep my there's nothing more energizing. Let me just tell the audience out there than when you're sitting with a talent, right. And I have a script on my lap at 10 30 at night 
and I've got 85 pages to go through, okay, with this talent. And maybe they're delivering and they're really entertaining or maybe they're dry as fuck. And I am struggling to get through it and 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 I'm ha- I'm holding on to a little bit of hope that it's entertaining and the fans will like it and they'll buy it and from over my shoulder I hear what sounds like an elephant fart and the talent to talent is usually the one that goes hey Eric wake up like it's on the if you watch the uh, I think it's even in the trailer of the uh, Ken Anderson shoot Oh, the Ken Anderson shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that that was a classic. It's, it's, it's there's, so there's several yeah. times, and it's not a work. There there are, uh, are several times where Eric is snoring uh, th- through the shoots and has to be uh, woken I'm up. I'm sorry. It's just, I'm just dropped dead. I'm drop dead tired. I mean, I got to get my rest somehow. I mean, it's just, I'm on the, I'm on the go constantly. It's like, I don't. Like I barely sleep, but and then when I get to sleep, I like I don't, you know that's it. You've gotten a reputation so, over the years, and I've I've helped this reputation along, um, not because I dislike you, but because I think that uh, that it actually would help you if I tell some of these stories, like in my books and on the air. If I tell some of the stories that make you as quirky as you are, it makes you a bit of a character, so fans know who you are now and. So uh, I don't feel bad telling stories like this one. Um, I told this on my podcast a couple of weeks ago. We were doing a shoot. It might have been Al Snow or or someone like that. And uh, you kept going into the hallway. We were shooting in a suite in a hotel. And you kept asking the maid for more towels. Now, I thought, now we were all, we were going to let you use the shoot. The, the, the suite in which we shot. So like we were going to pack up and head out and you were going to be able to sleep there that night because you had a bunch of shots in the area. But you kept asking for towels. So I'm like, God, what a neurotic Jew. He's he's he can't be dry enough. Like how much does he need to dry? He, he's it, Eric is in no way a slim guy, but he doesn't need this many towels. And then I fucking realized who you had at your table the next day signing autographs. It was Val Venus, wasn't it? Yeah. So you were robbing the hotel of towels to be able to have Val Venus sign from when he did his towel uh, porn star gimmick. That's brilliant. 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 Absolutely brilliant. Yep. You you were so uh, closely associated with the Iron Sheik for so long. I mean, 26, 26 years. Yeah. I mean, when I met you, I, I met you booking other people, but pretty quickly after that, um, Shiki had his like resurgence in popularity on the Stern show. And you and I worked together on, on the roast, you know, putting that together and going up to Stern and, 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 um, what's the other guy, Scott Farrell and just doing the rounds and plugging, and I worked with the Sheik so much. Now, and then all of a sudden, Eric, I mean, it was like you had like, he used to call you his son, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he considered, he considered me his son, yeah. Then, like, overnight, you get cut out. Is it because of other agents? Did those two agents from Canada, like, cut you out of the Sheik's life? I mean, you used to go down to, you used to talk to his daughters in, in Atlanta and... And, and it's, like, I, I don't think it's not, you know, we're talking about Megan boys up in up in uh, Toronto, but no, I mean, they, they did some stuff with him, but it's, it's more to she took himself out and, you know, she had enough. Yeah. Know, but so. you weren't, you were suddenly no longer behind the deals um, that were happening. Like the he had a documentary. That, 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 was, that, that was just basically chic. He just you know he the knee, the ankle. He you know the the depression set set in because you know of this or that. And I, I don't think it was anything that I did because nobody ever told me that like I did him wrong. You know the family didn't say anything. Nobody nobody said anything. It just like stopped. You know and. I don't. I don't have a reason. I don't have an answer or a reason why, other than it was just him not wanting to do anything anymore. And he did very. And then he did limited stuff with the Megan boys. I mean, he did stuff with them, but not a lot. But you, you had such a, a such a bond over so many years. I mean, I remember. I still talked to him on the phone. I mean, we. Is we he still okay? Talk like is he all right? Every other week. He, 
He's it's like Eric Bubba. Oh, good to hear from you. How's family? You know, yada yada yada. Hey, Kaj, you want to come back on the road? Let's. Oh, Eric Bubba, I'd love to do anything for you. Call me next week, or turn, which next week turns into the week after. It turns into the week after. It turns into the week after. It's it's like it's the same. It's the same story every time I call him. Now now I talk to now I call the daughter to see if I can get him out on the road uh, to do an appearance for me, and it's like they want they want like platinum money they want like bret hart money or you know like like flair money like like up there they want big time money for them to go out and it's like you know i can't you know okay not not gonna happen they should go to a convention sometime and see see what's going well, on well, they, <laughs> yeah, you know, but this is the this is the this is the problem they went they did wrestlecon in new york city they went in on their own they came in on their own nobody brought them in they did everything on their own on their own Okay, I talked to Tanya. Tanya said they made twenty five thousand dollars at that convention. I believe her. I heard, someone told me they did fifteen. She told me twenty five. So I'm I say somewhere, somewhere between fifteen to twenty five is what they made. But she That's has to understand. I mean, she hasn't been taking the Iron Sheik on the road every week for twenty six years like you had been. The WrestleCon is a once a year payday right. like now that she, now, she, now she thinks they could get like that you know they want like no no well, they don't want 20 grand for them but i mean they want like you know you know big 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 money you know i mean i i i had an offer you know i offered them say four grand to come in for a for for a weekend they turned it down or she turned it down they want she wanted more wow okay Good luck, good good luck, and I, I can't do it. Why did he smack you in the face? That I think that's still on 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 YouTube. Everyone, please. Uh, oh. Uh, uh, you... oh, that's the ultimate. That's the. Uh, was that the ultimate? Search it's, that I out. It's worth started, watching. I think that first started with Ultimate Warrior. That was. Um, we were at a convention in New Jersey, uh, football convention. There were some wrestlers there. Hogan was there. Warrior was there. Uh, I was with Bruno and Sheik. I took I took Bruno over to to say hello to the Ultimate Warrior. I didn't get a me- I didn't get the memo that the Ultimate Warrior didn't want to see any of the boys. So I took Bruno over there just to say hello. Everything was polite. Everything was good. Then I took the Sheik over there and figured I'd get the same treatment. Be polite. Just say hello. Just the you know the cordial you know hello. Then all of a sudden Ultimate Warrior just like. You know, told she go away and whatever. Like a, a big scene t- uh, started up, and then you know she turned his energy on me because you know I took him over there and just like I guess I, you know, he wasn't gonna fight the fight the war, you know, the warrior. So like, you know, why'd you take me over there? You embarrassed me, yada yada yada. And then you know, then the slap came. And what what am I gonna what am I gonna do? Am I gonna hit the sheik and knock and possibly knock him out? I look like an asshole. Uh, is he going to hit? If I do that and then he kicks my ass, I'm still a fucking asshole. Correct. So I did the best. So I did the best thing possible. I just walked away from the situation. You know, and we went back to our table until cooler heads prevailed. And then we we talked privately about it. And you know, we just you know said our piece and about it. And then you know we we let it go. And then now now I now and I was very careful over there because. You know, that was around 2007, 2008, just the start of the YouTube thing, just the start of the everybody videoing and stuff. Not like today where it's, everybody has a camera. It was like just the start of that. So I'm kind of figuring people are having their cameras. I'm, I'm thinking people got their videos out. That something's going to happen. I got to be very careful what, what goes on or what I do. So, like, I just walked away. I mean, yeah, I got the slap got caught and the whole fight got, 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 got shown, which you can see on YouTube. But, you know, how I reacted, you know, just I had, a, you know, I had to be very careful with yeah. that. And, that. and then after, after all that happened and, cal- and calmed down and, and it finally got out, it's like, how do I make chicken salad out of chicken shed? How do I, how am I going to, how am I going to profit from this? Or how am I going to make, make something solid out of this? <laughs> well, well, you never you disappoint. Know. Okay, so go ahead. So what did you well, do? Well, it, it led to it led to getting to the, to the Howard Stern show. It led to going to Pharrell. It led to 
you know, like one stepping stone to the next till like till I get to, you know, till till I get to the mountaintop. I got the stern. So I mean, I, you know, you know I, I I wasn't basing it all on that, but I mean, his crazy antics helped get it up there, and that that was part of the story. And that, that wasn't a, that was in no way a work, right? That was a shoot. Hundred percent shoot. I mean, hundred percent shoot. Unlike our um, our uh, our roast with uh, with Brian Blair. I kept that one in the bag as long as I could, and then I talked about it in my book just because it was so it was so brilliantly constructed. And uh, yeah, I, I'm very touched that you uh, that you mentioned me in the book. You know, even though you take you take your little shots at me, but you know, any press is good press, and you know, I'm just appreciative to be in the book. Well, you're a necessary evil in the business. I mean, what am I going to do? I've got to deal with right. I want the talent. I got to go through. You. I got to deal with you. Well, um, well, thank you. I, well, well, you have a lot of options. I mean, there's tons of agents out there now. I mean, but it's. Uh, I, I thank you for you know working with me. I mean, you know. did they did the market get more crowded? I mean, because back in the day, it was it, there were really just a handful of people. Like there were promoters that were bringing in people for their events. So, like you know, if a guy in Philly was was hosting a convention and he was bringing somebody in, you know, I would contact that person and and I would get the town through him. But people who just exclusively agented like you didn't run conventions you didn't run wrestling you didn't promote wrestling shows you just brokered talent back and forth to different people there weren't many people doing what you were doing without having a convention or something that it was associated with right well i'm a, I'm a middleman I'm, I'm i'm the middle i'm the go between between right talent and and sponsor so the, back then, there was a few of me, Scott Epstein. Scott Epstein, uh, that's true. I forgot about Scott. You got, you got Bill Barons that run the Showbiz Inc. down in down in Georgia. He, you know, he, you know, he's one of the old school cats. You got uh, the guy Bret Hart's agent out in California that the that books Kirk White. Kirk White. Works a little, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Michael Bryan was you know Jerry Lawler and you know some of the other like higher up WWE guys. I think like I got those... uh, Piper from him. Is that possible that I got Piper uh, from O'Brien? Could be. Yeah, I mean, I could so. be. But you know, like the high the higher end guys, like there were only a few a few of us like what we call super agents. You know, or now or the term we use now, super agent. Uh, you know, back then, and that's what we we're doing. Now, you know, you know. So many, so many young cats coming in, you know, uh, trying to book guys, and they they take my model. Usually, they used to bring guys in and do the one-offs, the convention. They're done. Then they were losing. Everybody was losing money because you can't, you really can't make money doing these one-offs because you know between the talent expense, the cost of the convention, the airfare, this and that. You're you're in the hole two grand before you see one dime. You need something to help chip that away. So that my model of bring a guy in, give him multiple appearances, whether it's a convention, a wrestling show, a shoot interview, uh, you know, or what or whatever, you know, or, you know, all these little autograph stores, uh, you know, and make it a big weekend and everybody makes a little bit of money and the, the expenses get split around and nobody gets hurt. And hopefully at the end of the weekend, you make you, you, you make a little money and, you know, the talent's getting money because they're getting you know, whatever deal you make with the talent, they're getting their end. Now you got to get your end. So the you margins are so slim in that business. So so you absolutely do have to put the, the package together the right way. That's what I was going to tell people. I mean, forget about what you're paying the talent or what, whatever money well, that you're getting key. the talent. That's, that's, the whole, that's the whole key. No, that's the whole key. The whole key is, one, what you pay the talent because that's, that's the negotiation. That's that, The key is what you pay the talent. If you get the talent for as, li as little as you can, you know, because the expenses are what they are. The airfare is, is a built-in it's a built-in expense. Where if you have to use an airfare, because the the airlines have their set price, the hotels have their set price. It's pretty much non-negotiable unless you have a special deal with either the airline or the hotel that you know, which is hard and rare to get. The, only, the where the negotiation comes in or the deals come in is with the talent. If the talent knows you, they will work with you, whether they're on a split deal, some type of guarantee, and that's you know, and that's how, and that's the way that's the way to make it work. You know, then if the talent knows you, they work with you a little bit. They they know how it is because they want you know, 
you could you could work for me and you could charge me full bang, full boat, no discounts, whatever, and you may get one booking out of me. But if you do you know work work my program the way I need it worked at the price I need to be, you got a solid ten book ten bookings out of me. Ron Simmons this year in the year of 2019 had eight bookings in a, in a year. That's unheard of. I've never done that with anybody. Eight bookings. So eight times. So what's what, what you've obviously then had weekends where you busted your ass and and you didn't make anything. Has that ever happened? Um, I have lost. It's very, it's extremely rare. I'll give you an example of why does I'll it happen? Why would why would an Eric Sims lose money on a booking? What has to go wrong? Okay, I'm going to give you an example of one, one time. It was um, remember when Royal Rumble was in Philadelphia a year or two ago, a couple Not years ago. Not at all. Okay, but anyway, when Royal Rumble was in Philadelphia, they had the Icons Convention in Philadelphia. That's the RF Video. Yeah. Uh, Rob Feinstein does this convention over there. It was a two. It was a two-day convention. I had five guys there. Uh, I had uh, Honky Tonk Man, uh, Mr. Hughes, The Powers of Pain, and Bill DeMock. Okay? Usually I go in with um, a long weekend, you know, a multiple booking weekend. I went in there with nothing. I only had the two-day convention and I had a little something for Bill for this, with a seminar uh, on one of the, one of the nights. So I had I had nothing because there there was no extra work. Nobody was running shows or whatever, so I, I couldn't get on any anything. When I crunched the numbers um, about a week and a half out, I said, "Oh my God, I'm in a lot of trouble," because there was the the, the expenses overweighed what I predicted I was going to make. No, you were going to make and, based on what autographs, photos. Merch. Yeah, right. That's basically yeah, autographs and photos. That's pretty much how we how we do it with it. So like, so I had so I made money on the honky tonk man and Mister Hughes, but I lost on the powers of pain and Bill Demott. So the money, the kind of the money I made with honky and Hughes, I went to pay for went went to pay for for the other three. Right. And on top of that, then I, then so I was able to cover the payroll on everybody. I did, but I did. <coughs> I lost on on the expense part. So because you broke your own rule, you brought them in with only one shot. You should have had three and four shots for them. I, I yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did it. I mean, I went out to uh, about a year ago. I went out to um, Heroes and Legends convention out in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Had doink had doink the clown, and. What the hell did you think you were going to make with Doink the Clown with the expenses of going well, to Indiana? You got to fly to Indiana. Well, well, well I, I, me and him, me and Doink flew in. Uh, and we had, and the hotels were kind of more expensive than I thought, but whatever. Uh, I thought, and then the promoter was bringing in Doink the Dink the midget. So I fit, <coughs> I figure we do, um, you know, joint photo ops, and I make my money, you know, that way. Unfortunately, somehow something got screwed up. The midget didn't show up till eleven till uh, six o'clock at night. The convention was during the day, mm. during the day. So by the time the midget showed up, it couldn't make any couldn't make any money. I lost about three hundred dollars on the deal. Okay, you know, I can wash my hands of three hundred bucks. Yeah, can't wash my hands of like three thousand dollars. Right. You know, so, so a couple hundred dollar loss. Okay, I went to a part of the country I haven't gone to before. I'll think good and hard before I. I go out. I go out there again. Hey, so, and you, you can't. Know, and you can't trust the midgets either. Um, best client. Best client for ESS. Any client that makes me money is a is a great client. I've had the Iron Sheik throughout the years. I've put up with a lot of bullshit with him, and it's put me through the ringer left and right. But always made money. I always said the best part about the Iron Sheik was putting him on the plane, sending him home. Because of all the, you know, all the chicanery that went on and, you know, all the shit that he put me through with the, with the late nights and the drinking and the smoking the pot in the car, which I, I prayed to God I never got caught. Which I was I just going to say, all your time with the Sheik between the pot and let's be frank, the crack. How did you never, ever get arrested? How did you how did you keep him and yourself out of jail? I was I was scared to death every time I drove the car. 
Every time he, every time, like every time he left, even if he didn't do the stuff in the car, his body reeked of it so much that it stunk the car out. That like I, I'm driving in the fucking dead of winter, zero fucking degrees outside, with my windows down after I drop him off at the airport, hoping that no fucking cop thinks I'm some type of fucking lunatic. Um. You know, and pulls me over and then smells something. And I have zero in the car and say, hey, the guy who's broken the shit is, you know, 37,000 feet in the air right now. Right. Yeah, because, you know, but even in the uh, even in the hotel rooms and, uh, you know, he was always uh, he needed the he needed the gimmick to work. Right. Yeah. Back then, you know, they weren't charging fees for, you know, nowadays it's two hundred fifty dollars if you smoke in the room. You gotta go out. You gotta go outside and smoke out. Smoke outside. I mean, yeah, I'm in a room with him and like Godfather and Road Dog. I mean, you're, you're talking. You're talking in the, like the late '90s when you know they're in town and everybody's like just smoking and partying and having a good time. And you know, I, I'm the straight lace guy. I don't do that shit. Yeah, that's what I, I should I, tell everybody that Eric doesn't touch any of that stuff. So he's surrounded by, you know, the uh, <laughs> the degenerates of society. And uh, you know, you know, I'm, you know, I'm driving home later at night after I drop him off or whatever, and, I, and then you know, I'm drop dead tired, so I pull into a into the rest stop on the turnpike, and I go into the corner so I can just take a take like a, a say, you know, a, a safety break, you know, take take a little nap, a little, little quick power nap, just so I could make it make it home the 37 miles from the airport that I can't fucking drive home because I'm literally drop dead tired because you know everybody wants to eat i can't eat if i fall asleep on the road i mean so i have to pull over take my little cat naps in order for me to get the fuck home yeah. you know which is which is crazy but that doesn't you know when you're up at four five <laughs> five in the morning going all day and then driving home at 11 12 one o'clock and two o'clock in the morning you know who was your worst client? Who, who, who was your worst client? Who didn't make money, or or who always would try to hold you up for more money, like do the Abby gimmick? And anyone, anyone like that? Abby, you know, Abby's a character. Let me tell you, Abby's a character. He, he, when he's on, he's on, but he tries to, you know, tries to work the gimmick to get you more money. I wouldn't say he's my worst client. Um, who? Uh, hmm. Or, or maybe it's not a financial thing. Maybe who just put you through the most uh, amount of headaches being with them for the weekend or the day, whatever. Well, I've always said the Iron Sheik, even though it's, uh, you know, the, the good, there's the, there's the good, there's the good, of the, there's the good and the bad of the Iron Sheik. But uh, let's see, who else? Who else did I care? The Nasty Boys. I love the Nasty Boys. I don't want to badmouth the Nasty Boys. I love the Nasty Boys. better not. Boys. No, I love the Nasty Boys. Um, the thing with the Nasty Boys, like when they're on the clock, they're fantastic. They are awesome. They're right on target. They're they're great. The minute they're off the clock, you don't want to be near them. And it's not that they're bad. It's just that's when they go into party mode. They want to go to the bunkers. They want to drink. They want to party. I just want to get to the hotel and get get my rest and go to you know get ready for the next the next day. I I, I tell a story in in my. Uh, second book I think it's in the business of kayfabe where I go into a bar and I'm trying to talk to Jim Powers about his schedule for the weekend and he's so out of it we're going through he's he's making my schedule more and more difficult and I'm and between me and him we are bookended by knobs and sags the nasty boys so they are on either side of me now listening to my discussion with jim powers and they now begin to weigh in on on the discussion first they first uh first sags leans in and he's like he's listening to what jim's telling him he's telling me these like uh oh i I couldn't do it tonight i had to meet my uh, daughter at the airport and he's like that's what you're telling this guy that you were at the airport and you weren't here with us at the bar and so then then knobs comes over he's like Hey, how come you don't have us on an interview yet? So I'm standing there in this this Bermuda Triangle of the Nasty Boys and Jim Powers. Try and I, I I threw in the towel shortly after that and went home for the night at the uh, fucking place in Monroe. What was that? I, I, I give you I give you I give you another example. I know I know you you had bad things to say about him in the book. Who? Uh, buff bag, Buff Bagwell. I didn't have a bad thing to say. I, I, I told a story about my experiences with Buff Bagwell. He I'm had bad things to say about himself. 
the way I he acted. Tell you a story about, I want to tell you a story about Buff Bagwell. But you know, the first of all, the good, the good and the bad of Buff. Buff showed up. Buff did his job. Buff was great. I had him about two weeks ago. He was fantastic. Has he read my book? I, I don't know. I didn't even mention okay. it to him. I didn't even mention it to him. But he, he did his job. He was great. Showed up, but whatever, did his thing. He Just getting there was was a problem. You know, I, I call him. I book I book him. You know, agree, we, agree to, you know, we agree to the numbers. Everything's great. I sent him an itinerary in the mail. Detailed everything. He wanted to rent his own car with his girlfriend, agent, girlfriend, whatever, and then they'd meet everywhere. They they would just show up. They would just show up. I'm kind of reluctant to that because I'm very hands on and I need you where I need you, when I need you there. You know, if I tell you at ten o'clock, if you're there at ten oh one, you're late. That's how I feel. I, you know, I want you there at 9.30, quarter to 10, for a 10 o'clock appearance, not 10.01. So he, he did, he, they showed up. He, he was he was great doing that. But getting there, because he, he questioned everything. Like, mm-hmm. he agreed to it. He got the itinerary in the mail, which showed, which detailed timeline, did a timeline of every, I mean, I tell you when you take a shit, basically. You know, you take a shit at this time. I have a, a lot of that. I mean, not literally, figuratively, of course, but. You know, it's like it's that detailed, and the boys love the, the you know how I do it like WWE. You get your itinerary; it's very detailed. It's you're anal retentive that way, and it works well for us because you always deliver your talent on time. That's that's a good on, business on practice. So, like he questioned, like like the day before he came in, I, I want to go over the schedule one more time. Look at your fucking thing. Look at your look at your itinerary. It's like fucking God talking to you. It's 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 like set in stone. You know. The times might, you know, you might, you know, be off by five or ten minutes here or there, but it's right there. It's 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 right there. Go, you know, I want to go over. What time am I doing? What time? What time is this? What time is it? It's like, it's like it's very it's very stressful. I mean, I don't want. I need, you know, the the good thing about Val Venus, he gets off the plane, he gets on the plane, he don't worry about a fucking thing. It's like where are we going, and that's it. You know, we're doing this, this, and this. Are good, he, and he's more worried about talking about pot the whole time. Or you know his right. own cannabis, or his um, or his uh, you know his free you know his free thinking you know his liberal or whatever the fuck you you know his anarchy ways. I mean you know at nauseum. It's like you know I, I get numb listening to it, even though I love it. He's smart. And he's he's very intelligent about that stuff. But it's uh, you know it's just it could, it could wear on you. But he knows that. I've told that to, I've told that to him too. But uh, with Bob, it's just. You know, every five, every two seconds, what are we doing? What's it? You know, look at your schedule. You've got to be here at this time. So you know, it's like I would have pre- I would have yeah. preferred that. I would have preferred to have that experience with Buff as opposed to what I had to fucking deal with. I uh, know it was, it was, he was clean. The, the Buff was clean. I, mean, I didn't. Uh, he was he was clean. I well, mean, maybe he's. Was, you know what? Maybe he's cleaned himself up. I I liked him very much that night. Well, I, I know he realized he made a mistake and he was very repentant for it and he was very upset. But uh, it was when I called him back to make good on it, and he told me uh, he wasn't going to make good on the shoot that he fucked up for us. I mean, that was bad. But maybe now maybe now he's ready to apologize, and I, I will accept that. I will hear his apology. He, I, I will give him an audience with me to apologize. I had a good experience with him. I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean, he signed the pictures. He did you know, he did his, jo- he did his job. I made money. Right. made money with him. I used him, I used him again. It's just a... Just I can't, you know, like every two seconds questioning this and that. It's like, let's go. Uh, let's go to Twitter. Uh, the world has questions for you, Eric. Like Midnight Gritty would like to know: Have you ever had to bail out or make a save for one of your clients uh, from a bad situation? Who was it, and what happened? Um. Yeah, I mean, there's been times that promoters haven't paid or short or shorted or shorted me, and you know, and I had a co- I had a cover. I mean, that's it's a it's a uh, it happens more often than not, you know, because you know sometimes you know it's independent wrestling and these these promoters are shit. Some of them are shit. Some of, most of them are great and they pay and they're awesome, but some of them are shady, you know, shady, you know. And the wrestlers make deals with me. They don't make deals with these promoters. So if something goes wrong, I'm the guy that you know I'm responsible for paying them. Yeah. So 
you know, I have to, you know, if the money, if the money's short, you know, I go to the bank and pull it out. I usually about, have it. I usually have, I, I usually have it already, so I don't have to go to the bank. But it's just, just, just in case for the, for these emergency situations, it happens. But, but what about know. what about um what about like legally? Did you ever have to talk to police from arresting somebody? Mm, I don't think so. That's I, a miracle. I mean, only the iron, only the iron chic stuff. Like at the airport when I pick him up and he's because you know, I'm two minutes late and he's fucking yelling like a fucking lunatic and the cops come running over and try to like you know hey but they kind of put him in my car and tell him you know time to go type thing and you know Sheik knows how far to go without actually getting himself arrested because he's Sheik right you know people love before, him you know, and before and then we, then we leave the car and it's like oh Eddie Bubba good to see you. and he gives me a kiss I give him a kiss and he's it's like always, it's, you know, he's always where he lives the gimmick he he's one yeah, of these old the school gimmick. guys that no, we went to after Howard Stern we went to the diner. We went to the to the four star diner in Union City, and we sat down. Yeah. We ate, yeah. and I I took my wallet out, and she he said no 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 no, and and he took the check from the girl, and crumbled it and put it in his pocket. I said, well, Kaz, that's that's not going to fucking work. She's going to walk over with another check. Like, what are you thinking? He's like, no 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 no. So he stands up. Now the whole place recognizes him. Okay, eight o'clock in the morning or whatever the hell it was nine. The entire diner recognized, including the two owners that are standing at the cash register. So I get up and we head to the cash register. Now I feel obligated because it was promoting our ring roasts to 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 pay this bill, but Kaz has taken it and crumbled it up and shoved it in his pocket. So we're now walking to the door, which is right next to the cash register. The entire room begins to applaud the Iron Sheik, and he's standing there. He puts his hands up and he goes and he hugs. The owners. And when his arms are around... Now, you already know the gimmick, I guess, because you're out the door and in the car and pointing it towards the highway already in front of the diner. But I'm standing there like an idiot looking to to settle a bill. He's hugging the owners and reaches out with his hand and pushes me into the door. Like, get the fuck out already. So I get the hint now and I run out. The sheik turns, he bows to everybody, blows kisses, everyone's applauding, including the owners who just got fucked out of the bill and don't even realize it. Sheik gets in the car, Eric pulls out, Sheiky turns to Eric, the first words uttered were, breakfast good for price. Yeah, exactly. And that became one of my favorite quotes, and it was used on many, many kayfabe sets, good for price. Exactly. Um, the convention market now—it's sad, isn't it? It's um, oversaturated. Okay, in the in the New York, in, I'm in I'm in the New York area, the New York New Jersey area. There is the big event convention in New York in in, in Queens, New York. Then there's Legends of the Ring in New Jersey. You've done that. Then there's the Icons convention in Philadelphia, and now just starting up, there's this '80s wrestling. Con. Uh, so there's four wrestling, there's four like big wrestling conventions in the, the you know the the, the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania area uh, that that run twice a year between uh, say March and June. So it's like way oversaturated. Yeah, the idea is to try to bring talent in that's never been there. But the problem is anybody that means anything has been to every convention all the time. So if they're not at the big event convention, they'll show up at the Legends of the Ring convention. If they're not at Legends of the Ring, they'll show up at 80s WrestleCon. If they're not there, they'll, they'll show up at the the Icons convention. So the uh, you know the prominent guys you know that people could afford are are there. I mean, I, but I just you know, so remember I remember crowds like you can't believe. Remember some of those years there at at uh, like in like at at James's Legends convention. People were out the door. I mean, they were, I don't know how many people came through there in the course of the day, but I never saw a place that crowded. And then over time, it just started to dwindle. I just think that aspect of the business well, might there's, be there's, dead. Well, well, there's different reasons, which I won't get into, that that it, you know, it's dwindled down. But yeah, well, I why, mean, you, it's why won't you get into it? That's why we're here. What do you work for the government? Yeah, or what I, is don't, it? I don't want to, I don't want to burn bridges. I don't want to burn any. I work with a lot of people, and what I might say might 
uh, ruffle. All right. Well, feathers. without naming names, what, 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 why would it, why would the crowds? What does it have to do with the crowds? Why would they? Why would they die off? Well, uh, well, well, okay. So, uh, location of convention, uh, quality of talent at a convention. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I mean, it's, yeah, and you can't blame the promoters at a convention either. So, sometimes the vendors bring, you know, you know, shit to the convention too. I mean, it's just. You know, a little this, little that. Just like, okay, so if, if Coco Beware is is, bo- is booked in, you know, Legends of the Ring, but he's also booked a month earlier or a month later at a uh, big event in New York, and uh, the, so the New York crowd don't have to come see him. Or, you know, a bunch of wrestlers that are going to be at one or going to be at the other, they may not go to both. You know, right. they'll pick oh, the closer one. So, yeah, it's going to slow it's going to slow it down. Or say say the one convention promoter doesn't bring in like a, a top platinum name where the other where the other promoter will or does for that particular convention. So people will wait to go to that convention over the other convention. Now that's saying it won't draw, but it's just you know it's it's just the way it's just the way it's just the way it is. You know. So Eric, what what do you got coming up? Where can we find you? Where can people uh, attain your services? I'm on the World Wide Web at ESSpromotions.com. I'm all over social media. I have a, I have two Facebook pages. I'm at Eric Sims on Facebook and my business page, ESS Promotions LLC. I'm on Twitter at uh, ESS316. I'm on Instagram at ESS316. I have my own YouTube channel at, e, at, at ESS316 or Eric Sims, and I'm all over there. And all the Iron Sheik antics with me and him are all over that. So check check those out. And uh, that's that's pretty that's pretty much it. I pretty much hit all my social media platforms. I enjoy I enjoy your being the foil and the fool for the Iron Sheik and for me at times. But I have to tell the public and you. And I guess I'm making an atonement here for my sins, even though you're not Catholic. Um, you, you are the, you're the best, uh, you're the best in the business and the most consistent in the business. And listen, there's plenty Eric's done to, to drive me up a wall, uh, you know, dropping uh, Scott Hall off on me. And, uh, and then he goes, uh, well, Eric right. goes I, 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 shopping I, I, I across the street at the mall while uh, Scott Hall's telling me there he's not happy with the payday for the weekend, no, which no, seems to be no, Eric's no, no, problem. No, 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 no. That's not fair. That's not fair because Scott knew exactly what he was getting himself into. I told him exactly what it, you know, I said. You have a shoot interview. You got. You're doing this signing. You're doing that signing. You're getting this for the weekend. He agreed to the price. Oh, I want to work with you. I hear good things about you. Yada yada yada. Okay, I'll do it. He came in for me. If he had a problem with any of it, he wouldn't have. One, he wouldn't have agreed to the agreed to the dates. Two, he wouldn't have gotten on the plane. Right. Three, he wouldn't. Have, he knew every, he knew everything he was getting himself uh, into. But it's uh, him trying to work everything for of more, course. For more. Of you course. know, it's not it's not me. I told him you're doing you're doing you shoot. It's there. He'll explain it to you. You know, and the fans ask the questions. You know, right. They know what they're getting themselves into. And, I, and you know, they know what they get, and I know what I'm getting myself into when I book an Eric Sims client. You can sell and, your product better than I could sell your product. I just tell them you go and get an interview, shoot an interview, interview, however you want to look at it. You okay, interview. so so you've brought that up. That's another quirk I've talked about, which I don't understand. Your 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 tactic, where you tell your talent quote as little as possible about what they're going to do for us. I had, you know, Brutus Beefcake walked in the room that morning at eight o'clock in the I was morning there. I was there. to an entire set, and I thought he was going to have a heart attack. I, I, it was. It he knew he was going. He knew he was doing an interview. He with you. stepped I mean, into the room. He looked at the set, the <laughs> lights, me in the suit, the microphones. He went, "Oh my god!" And he turned and he left and screamed at his wife on the phone for a half hour in the hallway. Hold, hold on, hold on a second, okay. Before you, okay, before kayfabe commentaries, the kind of the only other guy doing a shoot interview thing was Rob Feinstein, okay? I mean, there's also a few, like, smaller other people, but the main player was Rob Feinstein outside of you. So doing a Feinstein shoot, 
you go into the hotel room, he puts the camera up, he doesn't have the lighting, he doesn't have the, the, the setup that you have. You have a professional setup, you know, with the lights and the this and that, and it's a whole different kind of operation. So they're not used to that with the suit, with the suit and tie and uh, whatever. They're just used to you know, them sitting in front of a camera, Rob or whoever, whatever other guy sitting behind the camera asking these questions, and they and they they answer like whatever. They come. It's like going into a, like a TV shoot, like going on to NBC or ABC. It's like a professional. Yeah, well, it's a professional outfit. He was there. terrified. He was terrified for God's sakes. Well, like, like what? He's never done that in WWE where they had the, the lights and the cameras like that. I mean, it's uh, you know. God, you tell uh, me. He's your, he's your client. He walked in and he shit on the floor. Well, I mean, it was also it was also seven or eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I don't think he was fully awake yet. And I think he might you have know, been up a little late the night before. But that, but that, listen, that was the only time we could fit the shoot in. So I got, you know, we do it wherever I could fit it in. Yes. So, let that, let that be a model for all you young men out there. You do it wherever you can fit it in. Yeah. I had to do it to you guys. A little, a little Eric Sims. If you were curious as to the dynamic of working with an Eric Sims, hopefully that was a little insight into the life of the wrestling agent. It was fine. He was fine. I always saw it as much more uh, unbearable, I I envisioned. I mean, the time would come. I knew the time would come where Eric would be. We did did do one show with Eric on camera with the Sheik called uh, Rebuilding the Sheik, which talked about his, uh, the Iron Sheik's resurgence and popularity and uh, Eric's managing that, like the times he was on the Stern Show and whatnot. But... This, I mean, Eric had for years said, hey, you know what's a good show? You got guest booker. What about guest agent? I said, Eric, what, what does that mean? You know, we'll talk about what I do, you know, picking people up and uh, taking them to the diner. It's like, Eric, I, I would watch it because I'd have to edit it. And, and I guess your mom would watch it, but that would be it, brother. So we got him on the podcast. And, and in truth, it wasn't bad. You know, flipping through my... Twitter today, and I saw that I guess Batista is going into the Hall of Fame, and so and so begins my name being referenced everywhere on Twitter. Jokes about my inducting him. Listen, I don't I don't give a shit that you, they might have said it as a joke. If WWE had had any ounce of a sense of humor and any desire to, to be seen as somewhat cool and, and snag that internet wrestling community and get the other half of who's not watching their show back or in the door at all. You would have me fucking induct him for, for the Batista's dick. For anyone that doesn't know, on our, you shoot somehow, some way, someone from the board, uh, the figure four board wrestling observer board started, Sending in the question for all the U shoots, no matter who the guest was, how big is Batista's dick? It was relevant to nothing. The the guests have had no knowledge. It, it wasn't, it, but it was one of those things that we would just drop, and it kind of became a thing. It became a thing like how they could work the question in, long preambles about wrestling history and the state of this and that, and then by the way, how big is Batista's dick? It would just kind of come out at the in the end. So. I mean, I read the damn questions, right? So it's it's become associated with me. It was never my question. I just want to make this abundantly clear. Listen, I'll go and induct him wherever it is. And I think I actually should. The more I think about this, I should. Wait, wait who's going to Batista? Who's going to do that? You get me there. It's a, it, it shows you've got a sense of humor. It shows you're tied in to the cool underworld that was the shoot interview the shoot tapes the party albums right a little irreverent but no you can't you know you can't have lenny bruce at the uh at the uh, comedy awards right you can't can't have him at the uh at the emmys or the grammys so it's it's Yes, I just compared myself to, to Lenny Bruce. No, but that kind of thing. You don't want to dirty up a classy affair. <laughs> that is the WWE Hall of Fame. So I won't be invited, but if they did, I, I, I promise I would have done everybody. I would have done everybody proud. 
the moment would not have escaped me. I guarantee you that. But I should reiterate, it's not me. I never asked how big is Batista's dick. I never cared. It was just a fun fan question that would pop up at inopportune times. And it kind of became a thing. Taking on a life of its own. That's on the epitaph. I know. I know it already. I've interviewed Harley Race, Bruno San Martino. Oh, the, the, the fucking DX, the Wolfpack. This is what this is what's going to survive. Stone Cold Steve Austin said my name to RVD. By the way, in a bizarre moment, he didn't just go. I saw you on some interview. He said I saw you on Sean Oliver's interview. I was like, what the fuck? How about that name drop? He became cool, WWE. He became cool right at that moment with all the fucking commandos, with all the shoot interview fans. Stone Cold became cool. Not when he talked about the angle with Vince McMahon. Not when he talked about uh, drinking the Steve Wozers and giving the finger. When he mentioned Sean Oliver's name, that's when he became cool. All right, speaking of cool, I've overstayed my welcome. I'm going to have to cool off. I'm getting hot, hot under the collar here. But fear not, we're seven days away from yet another one. Yet another uh, another jaunt into the unknown. This has been a production of Sean Oliver Media. Music by the great Kevin McLeod, licensed by a Creative Commons attribution license. Don't forget, patreon.com slash podcast. You want to help support this stuff? Donate to $1.99 a month. You don't want to. You don't fucking have to. Tired of reading shit. All shilling for... You know what? You fucking charge people for content. They're not happy. You put it out for free and say, Yeah, fuck it. You know, if someone wants to become a patron, let them. If not, you you get shit for that too. Just the fucking general public. I can't fucking stand you. Any of you. But come back next week and listen. I'll be here. 